Welcome back to another episode of the Hecklers and Hot Takes podcast. This is your host, Brian Clinton. I'm here with Colton Rector, and we are going over a crazy week of college football. It is Sunday, September 11th, and we have lots to talk about, so let's jump right into it. First and foremost, Scott Frost, Nebraska head coach, former Golden Boy, uh, national championship quarterback for the Huskers, is out. He's gone. Uh, he he managed to lose to Georgia, Georgia Southern on Saturday night, 45-42. Missed a late field goal to try and tie the game there. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it was, I think it was in the works. I think it was already you know written in stone. Um, whenever they lost to Northwestern, uh, the first game of the season, I thought that it was just a matter of time. If he had another embarrassing loss this season, they're going to pull the plug. Um, I personally thought that he, that Nebraska would have waited until um, his buyout was cut in half in October, um, just so they didn't have to pay him as much to, to leave. But um, as uh, as my father-in-law said today, is you know, you lose enough people, people eventually are just done with you. They're right. tired of losing, especially a blue blood program like Nebraska. So it was it would surprise me, but it made sense. So I am one of probably a few people that believe that there's a chance Frost maybe not necessarily lost on purpose, but maybe didn't do everything he could have to win the game. Uh there's a big difference between fourteen million dollars and seven million dollars, and he's taking home the former of that because he was fired before his buyout was halved on October 1st. So interesting thoughts there. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing who Nebraska brings in as their next guy. Lots of rumors circling around Ames, Iowa, that Matt Campbell could be the guy there. So something definitely to look to uh, future-wise. Uh, speaking of Iowa State, we're going to jump into the Big 12 here. Lots of action over the weekend. Let's Let's actually start with the marquee game of the week. Yeah, the Texas Longhorns and the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. This game was supposed to be a blowout. One-sided Bama was supposed to come in and just handle the Longhorns. That is not what happened. Not what happened at all. The uh, final was 20-19. to 19. It took everything Alabama had to, to claw and fight their way through this game. Was this a win for Texas? I know that I'm not one of those guys that is going to sit here and rah-rah for for moral victories. But given what Texas had against them coming into this game, was this a win for the program? Um, for the program, yes. I, I personally saw a lot of tweets of what uh, Steve Sarkeesian said after the game in his post-game presser that said, um, we didn't lose this game. And I'm paraphrasing. This is not a direct quote. But that basically said, we didn't lose this game. We just ran out of time. To which I said, that means you lost. You, if you didn't win the allotted amount of time, you lose. But uh, I would say this was a moral victory, honestly. Um, considering, like I said in the, in the last pod, you know, this is a coach that said that he lost his team after the, the Oklahoma game last season. Um, this is a big game for them. Spread was 20 points. Every, I think I saw 95% of bets placed in the United States was for Alabama to cover that spread. And I would venture to say that most people would have had it even higher than that and been comfortable with it. But 
like you said, Bama was supposed to come in and absolutely demolish uh, Texas. And I am personally of the crowd after watching that game that would say, if Quentin Ewers doesn't leave that game with his injury, which I'm not 100% sure what that was, I know shoulder, collarbone area, but if Quentin Ewers doesn't leave that game, Texas wins that football game. I agree, 100%. I, the way that he was leading the Longhorns up and down the field, it was almost – it's almost shocking because you kind of hear like you kind of got this 70s steel curtain uh, vibe from, you know, from the from the Bama defense. And it was just something I didn't quite expect. Um, and I would actually even go further to say that Texas maybe should have won that game regardless. If you look back to the safety, not safety uh, situation with Bryce Young, I I know that we had some. I know that we had some issues there, uh, officials wise. You know, there was some confusion on a targeting or roughing the passer call. But regardless, his knee was not down when he let go of the football. It went. In th- it went in a direction that there was nobody but Texas defenders. It didn't hit the line of scrimmage. There were no uh, eligible receivers in the area. It should have been grounding. Occurred in the end zone. Twenty-one twenty Texas final. Well, that you, and, and the you missed have, kick. You have the missed kick, which was actually blocked by Will Anderson, which a lot of people – I don't know why the broadcast didn't bring it up, but Will Anderson blocked that kick. And it's just – it's game of inches. It's a game of inches. And, yep, absolutely. And Alabama comes out, despite having 15 penalties or 16 penalties or whatever it was, I, I, I know one thing. There will not be an easy day of practice this week in Tuscaloosa. <clears throat> Moving on to the second game, or the late game, rather, in, in the Big 12 slate, we had number nine, Baylor, going up to Provo to take on the 21st-ranked BYU Cougars. They go down in double overtime. They lose 26-20. to 20. Colton, what did you think about the crowd atmosphere, man? It was I remember, nuts. I remember texting you during this game, both of us laying in our beds, and it was just like, are you watching this right now? <laughs> Because it was it was a violent, fast football game, and it, and it looked like it was already a conference rivalry. Yep. Because obviously, with BYU coming into the Big Twelve next season, this is a game that I'm going to be excited to watch moving forward. Um, because this was this was a fantastic game. Uh, as you were talking about a second ago, the crowd atmosphere was nuts. I, I, you asked me this earlier also, and I, I think, I think I would easily rank them top three crowd atmospheres in the Big 12 whenever they easy get for sure. And it was, it was impressive. And this was a game that for whatever reason didn't have commercials. So we got to see everything going on during timeouts and even their timeout atmosphere was better than some of the big teams in the Big 12. Um, so yeah, it just smashed out football. Craziest ending to the game with three missed kicks, two by two by nuts. BYU, one by Baylor, and they weren't blocked, they weren't tipped, shanked, shankopotamus <laughs> right and left, and then it just it came out to it came out to BYU scored and double overtime, and, and Baylor couldn't get it in. So, uh, what are your what were your thoughts on the end of the game? I was I was surprised with how conservative Jeff Grimes was with his play calling. I really did Absolutely. not. I didn't see them going into a shell. I mean, it, it was something where 
there were several opportunities where you thought, surely, you know, they've been setting up play action. Like there's going to be a pass coming and it would be another run call. And it was just like, we, it was like, he didn't trust Blake Shapin. It was like, there was something about the situation, whether it was cr- the crowd noise, he couldn't get calls in. If he, you know, he was rattled, whatever it was, he went 18 for 28 for 137 yards and a touchdown. So it wasn't like he was just awful. Like he wasn't turning the ball over. I just, it just felt like they were one dimensional and whenever Baylor is one dimensional, when they don't have that passing attack, it makes them much easier to beat. And I, I think BYU played a perfect game plan and they were down their top two receivers in this game, Baylor or BYU was. And so when those guys get back to health and BYU's got a couple of tough games on the schedule, Arkansas coming up, as we mentioned earlier, there's some tough games on that schedule. BYU is potentially a team to watch out for whenever it comes to New Year's Six Bulls. So I would, uh, I would keep up with them. <laughs> Speaking of bowling, I think the Kansas Jayhawks may have a chance to get there. This was probably a bit premature, but Kansas sits atop the Big 12 standings at 1-0. and after, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just so hard. They sit atop the Big 12 standings that want to know after a 55-42 victory over West Virginia in overtime. Uh, Jalen Daniels has an absolute game. Goes eight for, 18 for 29 for 219, three touchdowns. He adds 12 carries for 85 yards. Here's a stat for you. JT Daniels has thrown two picks this season. Both of them have been returned for touchdowns, and both of which of them <laughs> – effectively ended the game for West Virginia. So what did, I mean, what did you even think of this? How do you, where do you start? I start with this. If the season were to end today, Kansas would be your big 12 champion <laughs> and would have a potential playoff berth because they're the number one team <laughs> in the big 12. So do I think Kansas goes bowling this year? Yeah. Mark it, stamp it, wax it, spank it, send it home. Kansas is going bowling this year. Mark my words, it's going to happen. God, that's awesome. That's the only stat you need. Oh, good Lord. Texas Tech Tech hosted Houston this week. Uh, The 25th ranked Cougars, rather. Uh, It took double overtime, but Texas Tech got it it done. Uh, They they won 33-30. Despite a tough game from Donovan Smith, he did win the game for, for the Red Raiders with a walk-off nine-yard rushing score. He, he attempted 58 passes on the day, uh, completed 36 of them for 351 and two touchdowns. He did have three interceptions. It wasn't a perfect game, but Joey McGuire's squad did enough to get to, to get the win. And uh, poor Dana Holgerson. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Take the words right out of my mouth. Just Dana Holgerson leaves the Big 12 to – to go to down to Houston, which I've heard he loves that area, and, you know, has a good team down there and is doing well. He gets told he's coming back to the Big 12, has a non-conference game against Texas Tech, and still can't get it done. So tough break for Dana Holgerson, but uh, he's he does have a good Houston team down there, and I think they're gonna they're they're gonna figure things out. You know who they have this week. No, I don't. Who do they the have? The Kansas Jayhawks. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting game for sure. Rock chalk, baby. Rock yeah, chalk. Might be Let's another go. rough one for the Cougars there. <laughs> another double overtime game with the Jayhawks. Let's go. Exactly. Uh, next, we've got the Cyhawk game. 
I told you guys, if you remember last week, this was going to be an ugly game. And that it was. The Cyclones took down the Hawkeyes in Kinnick Stadium by a final of 10-7. to The winning touchdown caught by Xavier Hutchinson with 8.27 left in the fourth quarter. There wasn't another point scored. Final eight and a half minutes of the game, that's all they needed. That was it. It was it was quite the game for Iowa State. They finally break the streak. Um, I've it's it's been how many hey, years? Hey, Iowa scored a touchdown. They did. They did. They got to seven Iowa points. Got a touchdown. The, the conventional way. They got to seven points this time. So, uh, Wait, was it a do you know was it a pass or a run? Do you know? I'm gonna guess it was a run, but I don't know that for sure. I was gonna say I don't think that <laughs> would surprise the hell out of me if it was a pass. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson has 11 receptions for 98 yards and a score in that game. Obviously, the the score we just spoke of. So he's player of the game there for sure. Uh, Number 11, Oklahoma State. They welcomed Arizona State. Herm Edwards and the Sun Devils come in, and they leave with a loss. 34-17 is the final there. Spencer Sanders adds three more touchdowns, making uh, nine, I believe, on the season thus far for him. He throws for two and runs for another. Oklahoma State defense played a little bit better, but there's still some concerns there. Yeah, this game was a little closer than I expected it to be. Um, I didn't expect Arizona State to be able to really run the ball much at all on Oklahoma State, given that veteran defensive line. Uh, but what was the, what was the stat you gave me earlier? One guy was able to run for a hundred and yeah, their their leading it? rusher their leading rusher had 21 carries for 118 yards. There you go, 118 yards. So. That surprised me a little bit. Um, not surprising that you know Arizona, Arizona State scored points because Oklahoma State secondary is young and not near as experienced. But a little closer than I expected. I expected Oklahoma State's offense to produce a little bit more. But you know, credit to Arizona State, um, Pac-12 representing down there in Stillwater. Um, but yeah, I think Oklahoma State. I don't ever feel like the game was out of Oklahoma State's control. I felt like they, you know, had the game in hand the whole time, but again, a little closer than I expected. They did what they needed to to win, which was Correct. something a lot of teams didn't do yeah. this week. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Kansas State throttled Mizzou in Manhattan this week. Uh 40 to 12 was the final there. Uh Deuce Vaughn has 24 carries for 145 yards and two scores in that game. Something concerning for the Wildcats here. Adrian Martinez struggled again. Um couldn't quite get things going through the air. He, he was nine for twenty for one hundred and one yards, no scores. Um, something to watch there. You, you know, obviously you're going to be able to get through your non-conference slate whenever Mizzou is the most difficult team that you play there. But when you start getting into the meat of the Big Twelve schedule, you're going to have to have both passing and rushing attack to be successful. Yeah, whenever you start going up against. Um... You know Baylor defenses, and now you know Brent Venables led defenses, and uh, Texas defense obviously looked good against Alabama. You start you start going up against you know better defenses, and and you're a one dimensional offense. It's not going to be hard to shut that down. So uh, Deuce Vaughn's a great running back, and he's he's proven that he can put the team on his back whenever you need him to. But uh, one guy can only do so much. So. They're definitely going to have to get that figured out. Adrian Martinez is going to have to shoulder some of that load. And, and you know, I'm anxious to see how they do moving forward, you know, when it does come to, to better teams because maybe they're just – they're keeping this offense very vanilla 
and they're they're just not showing their hand early. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt there and say that that's what it is. Um, but hopefully for their sake, they that that is that is what they're doing. So I guess we'll see. <clears throat> Sleepy first half in Norman last night. The number seven ranked Oklahoma Sooners had a bit of a scare going into halftime. It was seven to three against Kent State. Uh, final or the the first touchdown of the game for the Sooners didn't come until 18 seconds left in the first half. Uh, Marvin and Mims finally gets on the board for Oklahoma, but they come out and dominate the second half. They hold Kent State scoreless, and Dylan Gabriel leads the way, going 21 to 28 for 296 and three scores. It's a really really good offensive showing from them in the second half. A little bit concerning there in the first. Um, but they, they ended up turning things around, and, and it really was a good performance, something you like to see if you're a Sooner fan going into a game in Lincoln next weekend. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it was it, – Kent State and Oklahoma were trading punts back and forth for the majority of the first half. Uh, Kent State was on the board first and was looking like they were going to go into halftime three to nothing against Oklahoma, but uh, – uh, Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel started started putting things together, and I believe it was what three or four passes to Mims yes. in a row, um, left side of the field, all three times. Uh, and then the same chain Mims. route over yes. and over again. Same chain route, three or four times in a row, with the fourth one being in the end zone that put Oklahoma up seven to three going into halftime. Um, Oklahoma fans obviously not happy that that was the score going into halftime against Kent State. Um, but I heard earlier um, that uh, it just so happened that, like, back in, I think it was 2003, Jason White was Oklahoma's quarterback. They were playing North Texas, and a similar – it was kind of a similar outcome. Uh, at halftime, it was fairly close, but in the second half, um, Oklahoma came out and just, you know, laid it on them. And that was – as you can look back in history, that was one of Oklahoma's more dominant teams, uh, especially under Bob Stoops. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, a sign for the future. And if I remember correctly, I think Brent Venable said that he was happy that Oklahoma faced a little bit of adversity in this game, mm-hmm. in this post game press conference. So, um, maybe it's a good thing, uh, but definitely, definitely a little worrisome for Sooner fans moving forward. But I think, uh, I think that, uh, Oklahoma had the game in hand. Marvin Mims ends up turning in a career day, uh, seven receptions for 163 yards, his new career high there, two touchdowns for him. A couple of defensive starters here, some some guys that have started the first couple of games of their career here for Oklahoma defensively. Danny Stutzman records career high 12 tackles, nine of those being solos, and he has four tackles for loss on his own. Super impressive uh, young linebacker there. I, I really do feel strongly that, that he's going to be an All-American type player before he leaves Norman. And then Billy Bowman at safety records 11 tackles, topping his nine from last week. He also had a forced fumble uh, that was truly – it was a big turning point in the game for the Sooners there in the third quarter. So big-time games for both of those guys. Uh, look forward to seeing how they do uh, going up against a, a little bit better team, it looks like, in Nebraska next week. Uh, then the one snoozer we had of the of the weekend was TCU. They they took on uh, the Tarleton State Texans. They took care of business. Fifty nine to seventeen was the final there. Uh, TCU quarterback Max Duggan goes twenty three to twenty nine for three ninety and five touchdowns against the Texans. 
TCU is two and zero heading into a much diff, a much more difficult uh, game next weekend against SMU Mustangs, and that is at SMU in Dallas. So should be quite the quite the game there, quite the atmosphere. I didn't see. Have you seen where College Game Day is supposed to be next week? Has it been? Has, have. Where is before, it? Hang on. Before I do that, speaking on TCU SMU, is, is Chandler Morris healthy? Do you know? I haven't heard confirmations uh, whether or not he's going to play. Um, I would expect him to be there just because they said it wasn't a super serious injury last week. I would expect him to be ready to go, but I, but I cannot confirm that. Okay. So anyway, so game day this week is going to – Temple versus Appalachian State. Don't worry, guys. The podcast is still going. I just can't. I can't wrap my head around the fact that Temple and Arizona. Why would you not go to think of TCU SMU? Sonny Dykes is going Um, back to the Penn State Auburn is this week. Still, I still stand by it. Sonny Dykes is going back to the team that he coached last year. They're both Auburn plays this week. Oklahoma goes to Lincoln, Nebraska, which is where Big Noon kickoff is going. Um, what's what's another game? There's another one. Um, I, I'm drawing a blank on it now, but there's there's three or four games that I, in my opinion, are bigger than Temple versus Appalachian. I just can't. That's that's ridiculous. Well, let's just let's jump into action across the across the rest of the country this week because there was a lot going on we'll start with we'll start with college station the texas a&m fight naggies number six in the land go down to the aforementioned appalachian state team 17 to 14 was the final there they lost after a horribly horribly botched kick uh an attempt a 47 yard attempt from from kicker michael hughes I mean, it barely bounced into the end zone. It was it was awful, and it wasn't tipped. It, it, I mean, it was a clean snap, clean hold, just bad, bad, bad uh, execution from the kicker there. Haynes King, who was supposed to be the savior of Texas A&M football, goes 13 for 20 for 97 yards, one costly fumble, one of two costly fumbles for the Aggies. A&M mustered just 186 yards offensively in this game. It was, I mean... Appalachian State did more than what it needed to to win the game. They, I mean, they hung around. They did what they needed to. They got the win. Would you? Would, so Alabama has the million dollar band. Would you call A and M the million dollar football team, or would you? Would you call <laughs> that's it, that's that's probably lost. I think that's probably on the low side of what they paid for the recruiting. Yeah, class probably. Last year. Um, also, really quick, I I am an idiot slash a human. Appalachian State plays Troy, not Temple. They play Troy. Um, yeah, so my bad. Team still started with a T. Still a bad game for game day to go to, but it's Appalachian State and Troy. Interesting. So uh, number eight, Notre Dame, was the second top ten team of the day to lose uh, to an unranked foe. The Marshall Thundering Herd takes down the Irish 26-21. to This one's real simple, guys. There's simple math. The reason why Notre State Notre Dame lost this game, three turnovers for the Irish, none for the Thundering Herd. You can't lose the turnover battle three to zero and expect to be in a game. It doesn't matter what the talent gap is. That's just that's that's a rule as old as time. So Notre Dame falls there. 
somewhat of an upset here. I, I, it wasn't an upset maybe spread-wise, but it was an upset as far as the poll goes. Number 24, Tennessee, takes down number 17, Pitt, 34-27 to in overtime. Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker goes 27-42 to for 325 and two scores. Uh, and then Pitt running back Israel Abanaconda. I said that right. Hell of a name. Yeah, hell, of a, hell name. of a name. He's got 25 carries for 154 yards, which is 6.2 a tote there for a hundred or for one score, not a hundred scores. Uh, that was an awesome game. I don't know if you were able to catch any of that one or not, but that one was back and forth. It was super close. I mean, I think they were within one of each other on first downs gained in that game. I mean, it was super close. I was keeping up with that one on my phone, um, but I was very anxious to see how that game went because I felt like both teams were were pretty evenly matched. And it, I think, again, when you look at the box score, statistically, it shows mm-hmm. uh, that both teams are fairly evenly matched. Um, but, yeah, hell of a game. The fact that it went into overtime made it even better. Um, yeah, I, I think Tennessee's definitely going in the right direction with Josh Heupel, and, and it is still – even even with the loss of uh, Kenny Pickett, they're still rolling. So showing that they're more than just one guy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, former Pitt, former Pitt Panther Jordan Addison left the confines of Pittsburgh to go to Southern California, where he joined up with Caleb Williams. And the USC Trojans have looked really good offensively. Uh, go figure with Lincoln Riley being the head coach there. Uh, do you, USC goes into Stanford and wins 41-28, which is something they've had a difficult time doing in the past. So big win for the number 10-ranked Trojans there. Caleb Williams goes 20 for 27, 341, and four scores through the air. Uh, Jordan Addison is a recipient of two of those touchdown passes. He had seven receptions for 172 yards on the game. Um, Is USC – well, I guess we'll probably talk about this in in a bit, but but is USC a top-10 caliber team? Just um, yes or no, just off the cuff. Yes, yes, because of Lincoln Riley's offense. But my I agree. question is going to be: Do they do they have a running back? Do they need a running back. They they do have one. If you remember this name, Travis Dye, we saw him in person at the Alamo Bowl last year. Right, but but do they need him? Uh, or are they just going to keep throwing the ball over everyone's heads? Uh, I mean, if Jordan Addison's running free down the field, I think I'm just going to toss it to him. He's he he's, got 341 yards through the air alone. Yeah, you need to run the ball, and he only threw it twenty. He only completed twenty passes to get there. So, Good Lord. <laughs> uh, number twenty, Kentucky goes into the swamp, takes down number twelve, Florida. Uh, I've got twenty twenty three to sixteen, um, and the game winner was yet another pick six. There's been quite a few of those this season. Keedron Smith picks off uh, Anthony Richardson and takes it back 65 yards to the house to break a 16-16 tie that ended up being all they needed to win the football game. Uh, Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops has now surpassed the great Bear Bryant as the all-time winningest coach in Kentucky history. So congratulations to Coach Stoops there. Uh, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome for him. And so let's let's jump into let's jump into something here. We're gonna we're gonna try and do this every Sunday. Big 12 power rankings. I want to know one through 10 who you see as the best all the way to the worst in the Big 10 and the Big 12 right now. This can change every week. This does, this has nothing. I'm not asking you to tell me 
how you would rank them nationally. I'm not asking. We will cover that in a second. I just want to know what is your Big 12 power rankings, and I'll start. I'll make it easy on you. I'll start. Number one, Texas Longhorns. Wow. Well, I'm hey, hey, with or without Quinn Ewers. I will be honest with you. Right now, I don't think it matters, and I will tell you okay. why. Fair enough. I saw a defensive line push around an Alabama offensive line, which is not something that I anticipated. I saw team speed that was better in places than Alabama was, and based off of what I saw this week. Now, is this the case of they've come out and they're matching a team that they played that's significantly better? you know, probably better than they are from top to bottom, like they've done with Oklahoma for the last three or four years. Sure, that could be it. But right now, I see Texas as probably the most dangerous team in the Big 12. Right behind them, I've got the Oklahoma Sooners at number two. Uh, I, I didn't like – I did not like the first half from the Sooners. I did not like that they had seven yards rushing against Kent State going into halftime. That was that was very concerning. Uh, guard play from, from Oklahoma – has not been good. Their interior offensive line hasn't been good. So I think they've got to get some things figured out there. But defensively, I think they're good enough to compete with anybody in the Big 12 right now. They, I mean, they they are flying to the ball. They tackle so well. Um, they, they look like a totally different team. Uh, Oklahoma State is number three for me at the moment. Um, I just like where their offense is at. Uh, I, I think that they can score enough right now to keep up with anybody. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that with them. Kansas State, I'm going to put it four. Um, I just like how they dominated an SEC team this week. It was impressive to me, forty to twelve. That's uh, regardless of who it is. I think that you know they they handled business, and I think what they did was more impressive than what uh, Wake Forest did against a Vanderbilt team and and Vanderbilt and and. Uh, Even though Vandy was the number one SEC team in the nation? Get out of here with that. (laughs) (laughs) Number five, which this team fell three places for me, are the Baylor Bears. I know know that it wasn't necessarily – it wasn't a blowout loss. It was close. It was an overtime. I just saw a one-dimensional Baylor team in Provo. It was – there wasn't a threat – for the pass. And I don't know why. I don't know what it was. I don't know if they were having issues with, with calling plays. I don't know if Shapin just was, if he was shook up, what it was. But a one dimensional team does not do well in the Big 12. You can't, you can't do one thing well and expect to have success. So I've got them at five at the moment. Texas Tech is six for me. I really like what I've seen out of them in their first two games. I think the win over Houston's big. Um, I really like that. Seven is Iowa State. Iowa State did what they haven't done in a few years. They finally took care of business. They beat a team that they should have been beating for the last few years based on how they've looked. Iowa has been a bad football team and still beaten Iowa State, which is dumb, but that's just how it's worked out. Now Iowa State is finally on top of the victor in that game. I give them number seven. The Kansas Jayhawks are number eight for me at the moment. I I, I am – so excited. I will start. I, I mean, I'll start wearing. I'm wearing blue now, but it has nothing to do with Kansas. I, I will start wearing blue around the house if Kansas continues to win. I'll be completely honest with you. I love I love the story 
of Kansas being 2-0 and being atop the Big 12. I love the fact that Kansas leads the FBS in scoring offense right now. They're scoring 55 what? points a game. It's, fanta- it's fantastic. I love that. TCU, um, I saw TCU beat a, beat a bad Colorado team last week. They had kind of a sleeper here this weekend. Um, it was it was a it was a fine performance by the Horn Frogs. I just haven't seen enough from them, so I'm just going to put them at nine there. And then obviously, West Virginia's lost both game both games that they've played. It's been in heartbreaking fashion, but they're zero and two, and they're at ten for me. So I will preview my top ten with saying that we have two in the same spot. Two. That's that's awesome. That's why we're doing so, this. So I base mine. Off of if I had teams that would play each other right now today, who I think would win. Okay, that's kind of how I did mine. Um, and so right now, with Quinn Ewers being out, I put Oklahoma at number one. Okay, when Ewers is starting, I might have Texas at number one because they did look dangerous with Quinn Ewers at quarterback. He was not missing. Um, he was he was very impressive. Um, I didn't really have high hopes for Texas this year and, and their first year with him, but I was very impressed in how they came out and looked against Alabama. Alabama the same team that Alabama typically is? Don't know. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I have Oklahoma at number one. I have Texas at number two. Obviously, I gave you those two reasons. I have Baylor at number three. Um, I have Baylor at number three because I, I stayed up and I watched that game albeit they were one-dimensional, like you said. But um, I know what um, I know what that team is capable of. I've seen it. I, I know that they're defensively sound, and I think that maybe um, my conspiracy theory here is that, you know, they're being one-dimensional maybe on purpose. Maybe they're trying to, to hide a little bit of Blake Shapin's talents and abilities leading into Big 12 play. Um Number four, I have Oklahoma State. I agree with you. I think that offense is is, is firing, pistols firing, and no pun intended, I guess, there. Um, defense has given up a little bit more points in the first two games than what I thought they would, um, which is why they're, I think, right behind Baylor. Um, after Oklahoma State, I have Kansas State. I've got the Wildcats there. Um, like you said, they, they put up – yeah, Kansas State at number five. Um, I've got uh, I've got them after what they did to Missouri, and they've just been showing that they're they're physical as well. They seem a little, little one dimensional, but I think similar to Baylor, I think maybe that they're holding back a little bit right now. It's still in non con games, I think they feel like they can win on the ground and not have to show their hand a whole lot right now. Number six, I've got the Kansas Jayhawks. Number six, baby. Number six in the Big 12, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. That's awesome. I, I don't have anything else to say. I if you watch their first two games, <laughs> it's impressive. Like I said earlier, Kansas is going bowling. If the season ended right now, Kansas is number one in the Big 12. Like you said, they're number one in what what was it, points per scoring, game? Scoring offense, yeah. Scoring offense, yeah. There you go. That, that, that's all you need. Lincoln Riley can't say that. There you go. Um, So that's number six for me, Kansas Jayhawks. Number seven, I have Iowa State. I feel like they should be doing better than what we've seen so far. I still feel like a Matt Campbell-led team, both defensively and offensively, I think should be producing a little bit more than what they've shown. 
Um, I realize this IHOP game is a is a very competitive, very gritty game for both teams, no matter how good one or the other is. But I feel like Iowa State is leaps and bounds better talent-wise than Iowa, especially at the quarterback position. And for the game to end the way it did, it just Iowa State's been a little disappointing for me the last two years. So that's maybe why I'm reflecting in MS7. TCU, I have at number eight. Um, they are the team for me that I feel like has is, is kind of been skating through non-conference, and I feel like we really just haven't seen a whole lot from them. Um, not really sure, again, like I asked you earlier, what the status of Chandler Morris is, and I feel like he is what brings that team together. I don't feel like Max Duggan's that guy. That's just my personal perception. Um, I'm sorry if you disagree with that. Uh, number nine, I have Texas Tech. Um, I think that while I think Houston is a good team, I think, you know, they have better recruiting power. They have, they have better everything in my opinion. I think that Texas tech should have won that game maybe by a little bit more. Um, and I think they're going to maybe struggle some whenever they start getting into conference play. Um, and then I agreed with you hundred percent on West Virginia. They're starting the year and two lost to Kansas in game two. Um, you know, you look, it makes you look at that pit game and kind of be like, you know, what's going on? But to lose both their two games in the same fashion, pick sixes, second one again being to a Kansas team that has been traditionally bad for the last decade or more, that just, it's not a good look. So, yeah, Oklahoma, Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia, round out my top ten. Let's go national top ten real quick. You want to go first this time? Would yeah, you, I'll go. I'll go you, first. You can go this ahead time. and go first this time. Okay. So, so this this may be controversial as well, but um, I've got Georgia at number one. I think they've they've been dominant. Defense is still there. Offense is still there. I I think Georgia's currently the team to beat. Um, second, I've got Ohio State. Um, I think Ohio State has been has been pretty pretty dominant. They've been a little bit in closer games than what I expected their offense to be, you know, a little lower scoring than what I expected, but um, still taking care of business. Three, I, I've moved Alabama down to number three. That was not the same Nick Saban-led team that we we're used to seeing, Texas or not. I mean, Texas recruits at a very high level. They have super high-talent guys, but they have not been able to put it together in the past, and they're – what was it, 15 or 16 penalties for 100 yards total in that game. That is not characteristic of a Nick Saban-led team. There's no discipline. I think the only thing they were disciplined in in that game was not throwing the horns down until after the game. Um, and that's probably because Nick Saban threatened to take their Dodge Chargers away from them if they did it. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just – I was it was not, a, not an Alabama team you're used to seeing. Um, number four, I have Clemson, I think. Uh, although they lost their OC and DC from last year, last season, uh, Dabo Swinney still has his team firing all cylinders. There's some question marks around the quarterback position right now, but outside of that, um, I still think Clemson is a, a top team to beat. Um, number five, I've got Michigan. Michigan been firing on all cylinders. Really nothing more to say about that, in my opinion. Number six, I have Oklahoma. Um, again, little, a little slow start against Kent State this week, but they've proven that they can put up points still very quickly in a minute and a half or less. Um, showing that their defense, like you said a second ago, swarming to the ball. It's just a very, 
different defensive look than what we've seen in Norman um, in a while, and it's it's looks very promising right now. Number seven, I've got the Mark Stoops-led Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, very impressed with what Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch is doing over there at Kentucky. Um, you know, blew my mind that they, you know, had the upset against against Florida, just again, showing showing great offense, defense, all the way around, good football out there right now. Um, number eight, I've got uh, Sam Pittman and the Fighting Woo Pigs. Um, I think Arkansas, again, is playing – very well right now. I think they're a very physical team uh, and they're going to be difficult to beat. Um, number nine, I've got Southern Cal, I've got USC, the real USC, not South Carolina. Um, I think that again, that Lincoln Riley led offense is, is putting up stupid offensive numbers. And I think they're going to continue to do that in the PAC 12 without much resistance. Um, I think that offense, again, kind of like when Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma, is going to be hard for any defense to to slow down. Ten, this is the one that I think is going to be a little controversial. I think um, I've got BYU sitting at number ten. Um, really liked what I saw with them at or against Baylor. I think that you know what what Baylor brings to the table defensively is is difficult to deal with as it is. And I, and their offense really put up enough points to win. And I don't, I just, I like BYU this year. They're, they're, I don't know. They're, they're, they're they've got that it factor to me this year. That's going to, that's going to end the grit toughness. That's going to get them through a lot of games. So um, when, when, who was it? Who was it? The play? We talked about it earlier. Who, who plays BYU? Later on, or who does BYU Arkansas play? play, play yeah, here Oregon, and Arkansas. That's right. They play Oregon this week, and then they they have Arkansas on October fifteenth, I think. Um, and so those two games, obviously a top ten matchup there for me, Arkansas BYU in October. I think that's going to be, you know, a really big game in October, especially if both teams are truly still undefeated. What's yours? <clears throat> well, nine of the teams that you have in your top ten are in my top ten. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit. Yes, nine, I mean, we, we have, we have nine. The tenth team is different. Okay. Um, so I Georgia at one for me. I think okay. Georgia's point differential kind of says it all. They scored 44 or 49 in the first game, 33 in the second, and they've allowed three total. Uh, the fact that Oregon was only able to get three points more on the board than Sanford did this week should tell you all you need to know. <laughs> uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are a good football team. I don't think they've fallen off at all. Ohio State is two for me, uh, kind of chalk like you there. I, I think that Ohio State is just – I think as the offense kind of comes into its own, uh, by the time they hit midseason form, I think Jim Knowles is going to have things figured out defensively, and that team is going to be very, very hard to beat. Um, Alabama falls to three for me all the way from one to three after the performance that they had in, in Austin. And I really think that – the discipline side of things is really what shocked me more than, than anything. Cause Texas, is, Texas has shown the ability to play good teams because of the talent that they have on that roster in years past. Uh, I will admit that this year there were times where it simply looked like Texas might be better than, than Alabama for stretches of that game, which just sounds shocking to come out of my mouth, but that that's, that's what I saw. So I, I've got Bama at three. We've got Michigan at four. I think that okay. the I think that 
Michigan has what it takes to continue being good in the trenches. I think they have their quarterback fi- situation figured out now after the weird starting one guy one week and, and another guy the next. But I think that Michigan's going to be tough going forward. I've got Oklahoma at five. I think that the Sooners are better defensively, and I think as they get the offensive side of the ball figured out with with flow and, and adding in new wrinkles uh, as the season goes along, I think Oklahoma's going to be formidable. I've got Clemson at six, which is two spots different than you. And here's my here's my reasoning. The offense with DJ Uyagalele, or however you say his name, I think I, I nailed it there. I say it's, ukulele. I yeah, think that's right. He the offense is stagnant. It just it's it doesn't move it doesn't move with any kind of urgency. It's not uh it, it's not something that necessarily impresses me. And and I think their defense is good enough to keep them obviously there in the top six, but they need to put Cade Klubnik in. I know it's I know it's tough. I know that that DJ's a good kid, and I know that, that Dabo likes him, but it's time to make the move there if you want to be competitive. Uh, with Klubnik looked very good. Yes. Uh, if you if you want to stay in that top six, that, that you, it needs to happen. Arkansas Razorbacks at number seven for me. Um, they have had they've had a tough they've had a tough schedule so far. I mean, playing playing Cincinnati and South Carolina to open up the years is not is not any sort of easy walkthrough. It's not, not two cupcakes. They've looked good in both games, though. I like what they've got. I think that Sam Pittman is building something there that's impressive. I think they just have the the downfall for them is that they're in the same they're in the same division as as Alabama. So uh, th- th- that's tough. But but Arkansas is at seven. I've got Oklahoma State at eight. Um, I think the offense. I think Oklahoma State's offense might be the best in the Big Twelve um, by season end. I would not be surprised if they have things cooking on all cylinders. That does take that takes me having to trust that Spencer Sanders is going to continue doing what he's doing now. That's a little hard for me to believe, but for right, right. now, just from what I've seen, that's what I'll that's what I'll take. And then uh, we've got Kentucky at number nine. Mark Stoops, like you said, Barky Mark and the Funky Bunch are doing doing things well out there in Lexington. So I like what they've got. Number ten for me. The Texas Longhorns. I like the Texas Longhorns at number ten. I am. I know this is a little bit of a. I know that this is a little bit of a shock, but the Texas Longhorns are the tenth best team in the country at this point in time for me right now. And the reason is, I saw things from them against Alabama that we have not seen unless they were playing teams of Georgia's caliber or unless they were teams of you know. Maybe even like like Arkansas this year, who's impressed me. I really like what the Longhorns are doing. So, um, but that that will do it for us. We are going to be back here on Thursday to give you a preview of all the games coming up in Week Three. We appreciate you guys uh, tuning in and listening, and we really appreciate you guys just sharing. If you would share uh, with your friends and, and let us know, let them know about us. We are trying to grow this thing, and we do have a new guest coming on this week. I will let him introduce himself uh, come time for that, but but we do have somebody that will be on with us every week, 
and we will make that addition on Thursday. So tune back in. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.